Well, good morning. My name is Slim. I'm one of the pastors here at Mosaic and delighted you're here. Um, how many of y'all come in this morning and would say, today I'm feeling blessed. Who here feels blessed? We got some people who live in life large. Um, yeah, if you look at your life and you're like, things are going well, I'm blessed. If you were to look up on Instagram this, uh, this morning and you, you typed in blessed, uh, you would see over 150 million posts with the tag, hashtag blessed on it there. And so you would have so many things to, to see what is someone who's living the blessed life look like? Some of y'all are saying, I'm too blessed to be stressed. Who's got that down in their, their, their repertoire? Someone asks you, how you doing? Some of, y- some of y'all have said that to me before, so I've stolen it from someone here. Um, but if you were to look at uh, all these images, some of the top images that will come up on Instagram for hashtag blessed would be, I think, of the top 10 Most of them are inspirational quotes uh, from the Bible. And so, all right, we're doing good there. You know, just encouraging words. And so, I'm blessed to be able to have those words. But also along with those interspersed in, you know, Instagram's algorithms, you're going to see happy couples, people who are just happy to be together, and they're just blessed. And you look at them, you're like, hmm, truly blessed you are. Yes. Um, you also you can also find someone who got a brand new car for their birthday. That is truly blessed to get to someone to give you a car for your birthday. That is hashtag blessed if I've ever seen it. Um, right? If, maybe you got a new house or a new job. You are what you might consider blessed. Now think back. <laughs> think back at the last time you've said that to somebody. Someone said. How are you doing? And you may not have used the words because you're like, I don't know. I don't usually use the word blessed in public. Um, but you might have thought it before, like, I'm doing well. When was that? What was surrounding that for you? That, that Figuring out what that is helps you understand how you view the blessed life. Are you living the blessed life? Did you get the new car? Did you get the new house? Did you get the new job? Are you living blessed? Well, let's see if that, that works uh, with wh- where, where Scripture's at. Last week, uh, we began the Sermon on the Mount. Well, we began the, the Beatitudes parts of the Sermon on the Mount, and we were taking it verse by verse, a slog uh, through the, the Sermon on the Mount. And last week, we, we read that blessed are the poor, and it was kind of a downer, right? No, Malcolm did great. But, but you're thinking, great, blessed, happy are the poor, not what you would have expected when you thought of the blessed, hashtag blessed life. So this next one's bound to be better. And as absurd as blessed are the poor is, it gets more absurd this next week in today's passage is blessed are those who mourn. And you're going, this doesn't seem to fit what I thought of when I thought of a blessing. Um, and so really, what you, what the way to translate this passage if, if blessed is happy, it's really happy are the unhappy. And that's the title of today's sermon. Happy are the unhappy. And I'm not going to do what some preachers do and alliterate their sermon. Um, like, and it's annoying when they do that, right? Um, we're just going to slog through this passage. Blessed is your, this is your sermon outline. Blessed, mourn, comforted. All right, so blessed, mourn, comforted. Let's talk about it. What is Blessed. Blessed, uh, the Greek word there is makarios, 
Uh, and makarios, blessed, translates into a number of different words. You could say fortunate, you could say happy, you could say privileged. Uh, one translator, and I, I like this translation, says it this way, wonderful news for the mourners, you're going to be comforted. And the reason I like this translation is because if Jesus is simply telling people how to behave in his Sermon on the Mount of saying, you know, this is how you should live, like, well, I think we're going to miss what's really going on in these Beatitudes. These are, these are blessings, is what Jesus is pronouncing over them. Not, you know, like, like, try your hardest to live this way, and you will do well. Jesus is saying, muster up all the strength to be poor. Muster up all your strength to mourn. Go like, all right, what can I mourn today? How can I feel bad today? He's not saying that at all. No, what he's trying to say is, is if you find yourself in the position of being poor, lucky you. If you find yourself in the position of mourning, happy are you. Which so again, it's, it's a blessing upon those who find themselves in these positions, and I have to say, why? Well, it sounds like Jesus is turning upside down our expectations of what it is to live the good life, of what Instagram might say is the good life. And so this is what, this is what we're going to be talking about today. Um, like, this is for people who are going through this time. And I think when we look at mourners, we don't think blessed like when we look at mourners, great news for the mourners, we're going, no, 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 no. We sh these should be the last people that we would say great news for them. Like we regard mourners as the most unfortunate people in the world. People who are mourning, if you find someone who's going through something hard, they are people to be pitied in those moments, right? They're someone to be fixed is kind of how our normal response is to someone who is mourning. Like the Beatitudes Mark off the Christian from the rest of the world and saying that they, Christians live very different from the rest of the world. This is what it means to be a Christian. And, and the number one thing that the world does and has equal a, a agreement upon is that they want to shun mourning. Like mourning is not something to be desired upon. The, the, the philosophy and mantra of the world is forget your troubles and come on, get happy, Right? That is, that is the, the world's thing. That's what the, the world does, is say, whatever we can do to make you happy, that's the goal. We need to shun mourning, go after happiness. If you find yourself in the unenviable position of mourning, well, buy this, and you will be happy. Go here, and you will be happy. Like, we got to do everything possible. We're going to pour all of our money and all our resources into getting you out of mourning to get you happy. And we are literally entertaining ourselves to death. We are entertaining ourselves all the way until we die. Because we don't want to ever look back at this world and think about all the pain and the frustration and the hurts of this world. This is what the world is. It's, it's forget those troubles and be happy. It's very different from what Jesus is telling us here in this time. It's very different from a spirit of mourning because this verse then makes no sense if you're coming at it from the world's point of view. And if you think about it, I think many of us here also find that this verse doesn't make any sense. Like we're still struggling what to do with it. This is why many Christian commentators try to talk away what this verse actually means. Like, no, 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 of course Jesus didn't mean it that way. No, no, Jesus is, let, let's take him for his word here. 
What do you do when someone says something bad is going on in their life? I think 90% of us, we oscillate between trying to fix it or trying to fake it. When someone tells you something hard is going on in their life, your knee-jerk response for many of us is to fix it. It's saying like, oh, you're going through some, some pain? I'll do whatever I can to eliminate that pain for you. Let's get to work. How can I... You haven't thought through all the options, have you? Let's get through that. You, you, have, you have job troubles, you have financial troubles, you have family troubles, you have relationship troubles. Let's make it work. Let's fix it. And we instantly go to fixing it. So that's some of us. Others of us, we fake it. And we pretend. And we put on masks. And we act like the problem isn't there. This is the Beatitudes of Instagram. Here's the Beatitudes of Instagram. Some of y'all have this, and we believe this to be the actual Beatitudes. Blessed are those who are always smiling in their selfies, for they won't need to be comforted. This is, this is it. This is the world that I think everyone just has, has adopted. And sadly, the church is on board with this. And I sadly believe that we believe this is what it means to be Christian. Like, we've got we've to fake it until we make it. And I worry that's what we're doing. That we, we, are, we are trying, we, maybe we thought that if we were, if we put on a face, maybe we can attract people to our religion. If we put on a face of, of joy, even if we don't believe it, maybe people will actually come and believe this stuff with us. And so I've got I've to put on the face. I've got to put on the mask. Yet, while all the time on the inside, we are just rotting away. Some of us are, are suffocating. Some of us are drowning. And we don't feel like we can say anything about it. Because we feel like we have to say, no, everything's fine. You know what this, this ends up becoming? This ends up becoming that TV show, Shiny Happy People. You've seen this? But the Duggar family, who was the Christian family, like this is the way to be shiny, happy people. This is what the, the good life, the family, the Christian family life is. And all the while, what this show exposes is that underneath the surface, things were not as they seem. It wasn't just somewhat dysfunctional, it, it was dark and, and ugly and heinous. And so I don't, think there is, I don't think there is something more damaging than Christian hypocrisy and putting on the front of being these shiny, happy people while all the time on the inside, ugliness is just running rampant underneath the surface. And yet we'll, we'll, put, on, we'll put on the fake hair and, and, and the Botox and, and we'll, we'll, we'll fake it till we make it. And all the while, the... the the church is dying, and the outside world's watching and wondering, do you guys even believe any of this stuff? And this is not just others out there. This is, this is here. This is in my own heart. How many of y'all thought about this morning when you got to church, you're like, okay, put on the face. When someone asked me, how are you doing? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. <laughs> I'm doing fine. I'm doing great. Are you? Like, we all feel that. We feel 
the pole to put on the face. That everything is put together, don't you? It's so hard to be authentic and real. And it's just, we're denying reality. And so why is it blessed are those who mourn? I think it's blessed because you're actually responding in the right way to the ugliness of the world. This is not something to just be fixed and not something to just fake over and plaster over. This is something to mourn. And it's just like the, the right response to that is mourning. The Christian life is not all joy and laughter. In fact, there, Christians should be spending more time in tears than not. You look at Jesus, it doesn't once say he was laughing. Now, I'm sure he did. You can't make the argument from silence. But nowhere in the New Testament, in the New Testament, does it talk about him laughing. Christians, like too few Christians, weep with those who weep. And you see Jesus weeping with those who weep all the time. This makes me think of uh, one of my one of my favorite bands when I want to be depressed. Um, <laughs> a band called Radiohead, and they have this great song called "Fake Plastic Trees," and it goes like this: Her green plastic watering can for her fake Chinese rubber plant in the fake plastic earth that she bought from a rubber man in a town full of rubber plans to get rid of itself, it wears her out. And that's the course. It wears her out. Just being fake and being inauthentic wears you out. How many of y'all could say being fake wears me out? I mean, seeing people be fake can wear you out, but being it, 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 it tears at your soul, yes? You feel it. You're like, I don't even like who I am today. It wears you out. And so the, the, let, let's jump into it. Let's jump into mourning. Let's not be fake. Let's go to mourning. The problem with the nonstop celebration model of Christianity, apart from being inauthentic, is I actually don't believe it's biblical. If you look at many books in the Bible, a book called Lamentations is all about it, right? It's lamenting. But if you look at the book of Psalms, which is just chock full of joy and rejoicing and hallelujahs, we, we definitely have many of those with our call to worship and things like that. But that book also has lots of lament, cries and, and pains of, of where are you, O God? I mean, look at Psalm 13.1. How long, Lord? Will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? Have you ever prayed something like that? Or just shouted at God? Did you know you can shout at God like this? In times, and some of y'all might be there today, in broken and painful times in life, this is the only right response. Where are you, O oh God? Psalm, Psalm 119, feel, feel the pain here. Streams of tears flow from my eyes, for your law is not obeyed. Like, 
waterfalls from just seeing the ugliness of the sin around me. And not just sin, but just like the effects of sin, the damages of it. This is the only right response in these times. <laughs> like, hmm. Either we want to fix it or we want to fake it, and God's answer is, let's just sit in it. Let's just mourn it. Can we just mourn the ugliness of this world for a minute before you move on so fast? Can you actually just say, this is hard? This is one of the reasons why I love the book of Ecclesiastes. If, you've made, if you struggle reading the Bible, I feel like Ecclesiastes is one of these books that you're like, okay, you can talk to God like this. I didn't know that. Ecclesiastes is just so gritty, and there's this part in chapter 3, it says, there's a time for everything, and a season for every activity under heavens, a time to be born, and a time to die, a time to plant, and a time to uproot. Then it goes on and says, a time to weep, and a time to laugh, a time to mourn, a time to dance. Do you give yourself time to mourn? If you've gone through something hard, you've maybe had a death in the family, how many of you guys feel that ticking clock with people around you thinking, when are you going to get through it? That's painful, right? I feel like you're being rushed past a godly season of mourning. It's a time, a season. Some of us say, my season may last a year. It might last longer. It's a season. We don't know what that time is, but it's a godly season to mourn. It's the right response here. Like, God is telling us, don't move so quickly through these seasons. In fact, maybe this may be the most important time in your life, and all you're trying to do is escape from it right now. All you're trying to do is, is binge Netflix or, or, or go out with friends and, and drink and whatever. We're trying to medicate the, the pain away. And God's saying, stop. Look at it. Something important is happening in your life right now. What is that? And in fact, it is going to be wrong for you to go through life jovially in these moments. It's not just blessed are those who mourn. Jesus takes it a step further on the Sermon on the Mount, Luke's version. In Luke 6, Jesus says it this way, Woe to you who laugh now, for you will mourn and weep. So not just blessed are you who mourn. A woe is a curse. Jesus is putting a curse on those who are laughing when they shouldn't be laughing. Yes, there are seasons to laugh. There are seasons to dance, as Ecclesiastes tells us. So Jesus is not saying don't ever do these things. But what he's trying to say is, if you are going to just patch over this season of life and say everything's fine, it is going to tear at your soul. And when our knee-jerk response is to fake it or to fix it, we miss this opportunity because until we sit in it, there is never going to be any restoration. There's never going to be any bringing back to and recovering what God is doing in our life. 
And so we are taking things too lightly. And this is coming from someone who likes to stay at the surface level. <laughs> I do. I, I told Malcolm between services, like, ooh, I got to preach this again. <laughs> but if everything is a party, then nothing's a party. If everything is so up here, then nothing is. We actually have to deal with the hard things in life. We have to be somber and sober and serious to actually live the Christian life. And so keeping things at the surface level is doing us this disservice. And we miss out on the deeper elements of being a Christian, of what God could be doing in our hearts. And you see this with Jesus. Jesus, in the middle of his ministry, he has Mary and Martha come up to him and says, Jesus, your friend, our brother, Lazarus, he's sick and he's dying. Please come and save him. We know you can. We've seen you heal others. And for some reason, Jesus doesn't come right away. He hears them and he doesn't come right away. And I think some of y'all might find yourselves in that same position this morning. You've cried out to Jesus, oh, we know you can do something, do it now. And you're still waiting and wondering, when are you going to do it? And for Mary and Martha, their, their worst fears are realized, and Lazarus dies. And now... They're just enraged and saddened and, and, and just the grief is overtaking them. And you probably could see yourself saying the same thing, going, I thought you would have done something, God. Jesus, I thought you were going to do something about this. I told you about this. And that's what, that's what their response is in John 11. Martha says, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And I bet you can put yourself in that, those shoes and say, if you would have been here, God, fill in the blank. I want you to hear the honesty and the pain in, these voice, in this voice here and the, the grittiness. Because I think the world wants to see if Christians actually are real and go, do you actually believe this stuff? Because you know, it doesn't seem like you even shed tears. Do you actually bleed? And if, you can see, if the world could see us being honest with our pain the way Mary and Martha are, I think they would actually be drawn to that and go, okay, you actually, you do believe this and you struggle just like I struggle. And so I want you to see Mary and Martha are real, but I also want you to see Jesus' humanity in the midst of this as well. Jesus responds in a very honest way as well. Jesus arrives at the tomb of Lazarus and the first thing he does, he doesn't just snap his fingers and fix it. He doesn't act like it's not a big deal and pretend it away. The first thing he does, we get to the shortest verse in the Bible. Do you know it? Jesus wept. Look at those words. Think about the pain of what you might be going through. I want you to know Jesus weeps with you. 
How long did he sit there at the tomb and weep over Lazarus? He wept. He didn't try to fix it right away. He didn't try to pretend over it. He weeps. We're in this season called Advent. You may not celebrate it in your, your tradition growing up. It's the season of waiting and longing, preparing for the coming of Jesus. It's not yet Christmas. You guys might have noticed we haven't done all out on our Christmas decorations. It's not because we're lazy. It's because we're trying to wait. Wait until Christmas to have that joy in Jubilee. But Advent is this season of longing and waiting and saying, where are you, O God? That song, O come, O come, Emmanuel, and ransom captive Israel. It's, it's a cry out, come, Savior, come. Ransom us. We're in exile. We need you, God. This is Advent. Advent begins in the dark, says Fleming Rutledge. It's this dark time of asking God to, to come and we need you. This is a time of, of mourning. And so we are choosing to mourn during this season because we think it's good. We want to mourn the plight of the poor. We want to mourn refugees trying to seek asylum and can't get it. We want to mourn the oppressed in our midst. We want to mourn Palestinian and Israeli babies finding themselves at the bottom of rubble. I'm with you. It's hard to turn on the news and see some of this stuff and not to want to just fake like it's not there. Like, I don't even want to read anymore because the daily barrage of, of ugly news hits you and you go, I, I can't even look at it anymore and act like it's not there. Jesus weeps over all of this. And we, we don't have to choose who to mourn in this, in this particular war or any war. We don't have to choose mourning over Israeli babies or Palestinian babies. We can be pro-peace. Like, we can be pro all of life, right? We can be pro-imago day in all of this and just say, this, is, this needs to end. Oh, come, oh, come, Emmanuel. Deliver us. Like, this is what we want our Advent to be, a time of mourning. And I started to realize that as we're in this season, mourning is a gift. Do we see lament as a gift? It's a gift because what else are you going to do with the brokenness of our world? It's a gift to actually mourn. It's a gift to actually repent. And when we do, we get to this last point here, and they shall be comforted. Why is it better? Why is mourning better? Because the world can, can try to cover your mourning, but it can't actually comfort your mourning. The world's going to try to offer cover for your mourning, and you can think of it this way. You may have gone through a, a hard season and going, I just need a me day. You ever said that? <laughs> I just need a me day, or I need... I need to get some comfort food. And comfort food tries to comfort, but it covers, right? It suppresses some of those emotions. It doesn't actually deal with it. Or maybe you've said something like, I just need a guy's night or a girl's night. 
And sometimes those, those, those can be good. But if you ever, don't actually talk about real things, that actually can sometimes be more empty than, you went in, than, than when you went into it. And it can feel worse, like no one really knows me. No one actually t- wants to talk about real deep things in my life. And so all of these things, they just mask and cover the pain. They don't actually comfort it. Like drugs and drink and all these things, they're just an escape. We're constantly escaping the pain. But Matthew 5, 4 tells us, blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Why? Because when you mourn, when you cry out, Lord, deliver me, you are inviting the God of heaven and earth to enter into the pain, and you're giving him the opportunity to answer your prayers. Saying, I'm not going to do it on my own. I'm asking you, God, to step into this. And this is now God's opportunity to work. And sometimes God works miraculously, magically in these moments. But most times, he works through other people. And one of the things that I, I, I struggle with is when I, I hear all the time someone who's gone through a, a dark season of life, and I only, we only find out about it years later and go, I wish you would have shared that with us. You, you realize on what you were missing out on in those times, someone to grieve with you, to mourn with you, to come alongside you in, this, in these seasons. Like, don't shoulder and burden this pain alone. When we do this, we, when we are silent, like our bones waste away. You ever feel like that? That you're just wasting away physically and spiritually. When we reach out for help, God actually now has the opportunity to answer those, those, those prayers and those calls with people around you. And so this is, this is what I want to say to y'all. May there be no silent sufferers in our midst. May there be no silent sufferers in our midst. If we're going to suffer, let's suffer together. Sky Jathani wrote a book on the Sermon on the Mount and it called If Jesus Was Serious. We may have some out there on the back. And it, about this particular verse, he says, if Jesus was serious about mourning, then we will make room to cry. And there's the application, right? We will make room to cry. That is the right response here. Like, you are following in good footsteps of our Lord and Savior who had the title, Isaiah 53, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And Jesus was well acquainted with grief. He knew all of the pain of the whole entire world. In fact, he, he knew all of it, including death itself. And doesn't just know the pain, doesn't just lament and weep the pain. He's able to actually do something about it. And that's the end of the story with Lazarus. Yes, he weeps. But verse 43, he shouts, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out and his hands and feet are wrapped with strips of linen and cloth around his face. And Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. Why is it blessed to mourn? Because the world can only cover our pain. It can't actually comfort it. But in Christ, you can actually have true comfort. Someone to actually speak into the pain and the, and the ugliness itself. And Jesus, who didn't just speak it into to Lazarus's tomb, Jesus himself tasted death, and he himself raised from the dead. And so whatever pain you are going through 
right now. The ultimate pain that it's ultimately pushing us towards is death, but Jesus has even taken the sting out of death. And so we know, yes, we should grieve, but we are not going to grieve as those without hope because we have one who has defeated death and has given us an ultimate hope and is actually working in this world to renew the death throngs all around us. And so what are we going to do with all this? Here's my, my, my encouragement to you this morning, the so what. The first thing is, let's sit in it. Give yourself an opportunity to mourn this week. Today. Give yourself an opportunity to actually ask, what is going on in my heart or what in my world that I should just weep over and lament? We don't give ourselves time for this, and so sit in it. But second, don't sit alone. That's dangerous to just sit in it by yourself. Don't sit alone. Share something that's, going, that's something that's hard in your life with someone today. And that's a vulnerable place to be, to share some things that are going on in your life. But what's worse, putting that out there for someone to meet the need or to, to struggle alone. I, I, I Don't sit alone. This is what 2 Corinthians tells us, like the, the point of some of our suffering. The God of all comfort, who comforts us in our affliction so that we might be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. I love that. That God, the God of comfort, is able to comfort those around us because we've been comforted. And so you may have said this before, like, Lord, why did you let me go through this hardship, this ugliness? And I don't know the ultimate answer, but I also know that God can redeem some things and can use you in bringing hope to a, some other cracks and brokenness in our, in our world. And so you, you've, you've probably felt that before. If, you, if you're a, a child of parents that might be divorced, you're able to speak some hope into someone else who's going through that as well. Like you, You're like, there's no way that that was good, but I'm able to provide something of hope to someone around me. And so I just encourage you, don't sit alone. God's gonna use you for that. Lastly, seek your only comfort. This, this whole thing of comfort makes me think of Heidelberg Catechism, question one, and it goes, what is your only comfort in life and death? That I am not my own, but belong with body and soul, both in life and death, to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. That I am not my own. My only comfort is that I am not my own, but I belong both body and soul to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. And so don't begin with sit in it. Don't sit alone. But as you, with someone, encourage one another to go to our only true comfort, who has you in his arms that you belong to, your faithful Savior. Let me pray for us.